Hello everyone and welcome to this, the fourth episode in our Future of Work Hybrid Working series. Today I'm joined by Becky Crawford, a senior associate in our commercial disputes team to talk to me about the various commercial issues businesses need to be aware of when either implementing new workforce or workplace strategies. Uh, Becky, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks Olivia, it's great to be here. So, Becky, um, over the last 18 months, uh, we've very much seen businesses moving away from relying on older uh, legacy tech systems and instead relying increasingly on new and effective technologies to enable remote working. Um, Whilst this has been great on the one hand, no doubt you've seen different issues arising from this use of and focus on tech. Are you able to, to talk us through these? Yes, of course. Um, that's definitely true. I think one of the key areas of focus that we're seeing is really this shift away from existing technology systems that are no longer fit for purpose. So certainly some businesses are coming to the conclusion that their current systems perhaps don't offer value anymore or maybe just aren't as effective in their new working models. And I think that's particularly true for hybrid working. So where you've got hybrid working, obviously, you've got people in the office at home, perhaps working from different client spaces, too. And there's a real need there for interoperability of different systems to ensure that that working model has the right platform. And where businesses are looking to change their tech system, that does, like you say, raise a few issues from a legal perspective. And I think the most obvious and often more pressing issue is really about how best to exit your current IT contract. And that's a notoriously tricky area. And if a business gets it wrong, then unfortunately it can lead to claims by the outgoing service provider. Then on the flip side, um, it's clearly important to consider the relationship you're going to have with your new tech provider too. And some of the key points to consider there are how best to address any liability issues and contingency plans. So really that's all about the cost of workaround solutions in the case of delays or perhaps failure to meet service levels or even service outages, which can clearly have real um, financial repercussions for, for different businesses. And I think the key thing there is if you address those points on liability head on at the outset, then that can really reduce your financial exposure going forward. Um, so those are really the main issues we've seen when we're looking at new tech systems. But alongside that, it's probably worth mentioning licensing too. So remote working can make it quite difficult for some businesses to track the number of staff using existing or, or new tech systems. Um, and that includes software and other licensed materials that are available on those platforms too. And that's especially the case perhaps where you've got staff who've been on furlough who are now returning. You might have new joiners, restructuring, or perhaps even employees that are sharing logon details whilst they're working from home, which you might not even know about. And that can really leave a business exposed to claims of under-licensing. Um, linked to that, there's also obviously issues where employees might have relocated abroad and perhaps license agreements restrict access to one country only. So that's another issue that can lead to some of the more expensive IP infringement claims. Um, so it's definitely worth taking a look at the practical steps you can take to reduce those risks as you move forward. Thanks, Becky. Lots to think about there. Um, and some of the key concerns we're hearing about relating to introducing new hybrid working models are around the safeguarding of confidential information and intellectual property. 
What would you say are the, the sort of key points to be aware of from a trade secrets perspective? So I think the main point is that businesses need to be able to show that they've taken what's called reasonable steps to keep confidential information secret. And that's really important to benefit from specific rights and remedies um, that fall under the Trade Secrets Directive that was implemented in the UK a few years ago. Um, I guess in the context of remote working, it can lead to a number of challenges. Um, for example, it can be difficult to ensure that staff are only really sharing that confidential information when it's absolutely necessary and perhaps subject to appropriate non-disclosure terms. Um, I'm just thinking of a few recent examples. Um, we've been instructed on a situation where an employee's emailed confidential information to their personal email address. Um, and there's been other situations too where they've downloaded it to personal work from home devices before that employee then leaves to work for a competitor. So those are obviously really tricky situations where you've got to act quickly to avoid the information being misused by that comp competitor. Um, and unfortunately, that is an issue that we are seeing a bit more of now that employees are working from home. Yeah. Okay. And do you think there'll be different safeguarding considerations or issues arising as um, people now start returning to the office um, as compared to the situation pre-COVID when most people were in person working? Yes, certainly. And I think that, again, has all to do with the different working models. So as you'll know, Olivia, lots of clients are reducing their office footprints and they're turning to more flexible solutions, perhaps co-working or pay-as-you-go spaces. So what we've seen so far is that disputes can arise where businesses are sharing office premises, but they've perhaps not clearly established parameters for access to equipment or maybe facilities or even the use of those on-demand workspaces. Um, and then on the IP side, again, shared workspaces can lead to employees collaborating um, with other businesses in the same building. So they might meet somebody for coffee in the kitchen or bump into somebody in the corridor and talk about an issue they're having or a branding idea. And that can really lead to questions as to who owns the IP where it's been created jointly. So that's another point to think about in terms of messaging to staff when they return to the office. Mm. So those are the, the sort of key risks and issues. Do you have any uh, practical tips or suggestions around the types of measures that measures businesses can be thinking around putting in place to mitigate against those risks? Yes, certainly. And I think the good news here is that there are lots of things that businesses can do to mitigate those risks. Um, and what we've been doing is speaking to clients about a three step process of audit strategy and training. So if we think about that first step a bit more, um, what we mean by audit is really reviewing your key contracts, your policies and your procedures and thinking about whether any changes are needed in light of hybrid working. And the reason to do that is that it should help you to identify any gaps and then think about the required actions. So if we think about some of the issues that we've just discussed, that might involve a review of early termination provisions for your IT contracts. Um, it could also include a review as to what steps you're taking to protect confidential information and where the key risks are in terms of those secrets leaking out of the business. Um, then the second step is all about strategy. So once you've got the results of your audit, you need to develop and implement something that's simple um, that can reduce the key risks. And clearly the scope of the strategy is going to vary for every business. Um, so it might be, for example, that a business decides that now's the opportunity to update the entire IP strategy to ensure that there's some consistency with people working in different environments. On the other hand, it might be that 
you look at what's important in terms of your business and your trade secrets and you think about putting in place a more specific policy to stop that confidential information leaking out of the business um, and that can be through some really focused procedures um, and then last of all I think it's worth investing in practical training to bring that strategy to life I think as we all know there isn't too much benefit in having a policy or procedure in place if employees aren't really aware of it and why it's important to follow it yeah and that that last point I'm interested in Becky um on the training front how what would that look like in in practice um so there's a few examples that I can think of um based on some of the risks we've discussed um so if we take IP to start off with it might be that a business wants to invest in training so that the employees can identify IP as it's created and then building on that, also identify the steps they need to take to retain the value of that as an asset within the business. Another area of focus might be really thinking about how you can spot and avoid disputes before they escalate and focusing on that in the context of your new way of working. So that might involve taking a look at some of the causes of commercial disputes, um, some of the early warning signs and also practical and proactive steps that you can take to reduce that risk. Um, and then finally, I guess, thinking about those contracts, those tech contracts, it might be worth covering how to manage and terminate contracts effectively. So that could help your commercial team to identify the risks that are involved in the changes that they intend to make. And also look at planning um, the transition to a new service to reduce the risk of any claims there. Becky, that's great. Thank you ever so much for joining us today.